Hey everyone, it's Cassie. And this is Chrissy. And this is Did You Catch That with Cassie and Chrissy. So we're back after we took a little break last week. I think everyone needed a break last week after what was going on with the election. Like I know I was glued to CNN every day up until Saturday, just trying to make sure that I'm up to date with everything that was going on. And there was always some type of development in the news. Yeah, I was literally watching CNN for that whole week. Like, I remember election day, I went and I voted with my family. And then I had gotten home. We just turned on CNN because they like do like, oh, the early counting counts are coming in. I remember at like 7 p.m. or 9 p.m. The first counts were coming in. So I was watching that. And then they're like development. And then like, oh, wait. And then it went on for like five days. When I tell you the first night. Me and my cousin were up until 5.30 a.m. watching CNN. I was just so nervous to see what was going to happen. And then eventually, like, my mom was like, Cass, you can't keep staying up until 5.30 every day. Like, when it happens, it'll happen. And then finally it happened, and they called Joe Biden as the president-elect. Yeah, so I was the same way. Like, I would go to sleep, like, 3 a.m., which I, I go to sleep around 10. Like, I'm definitely a grandma. <laughs> I do not stay up late. But I was I made sure because the last time, the last presidential election, I fell asleep and I woke up like 2 o'clock in the morning and saw what I saw. And it was very overwhelming. But um, this time around, I was actually at the spa with one of my best friends. And as we were leaving, first of all, that massage was top tier. It was a 60-minute full body. It was great. So to walk out of that and see the news (laughs) that Joe Biden is the president-elect was just like the cherry on top. And then we went and got lunch. And it was such a good day. I feel like everyone was in such good spirits. The weather in Philly and in New York, I know, was just beautiful. Everyone was outside. And it was just such a like breath of fresh air. At least that's how I felt. No, it was literally the weather was amazing. I remember during the week, like my friend was like, oh, like, do you want to go get our nails done? Oh, like, do you want to just come to my house? This, that. And I was like, I can't. I was like, because I know like my friends don't watch CNN like I do. Like they're not into it like I was. Like I was watching around the clock and I'm like, I cannot until they call the president. Like until Joe Biden is called as the president, like I am not leaving my house. So I did not leave my house. And then the day Joe Biden was set to give his speech, I actually went to eat for my best friend's birthday. And then on the way back in the Uber, I was watching his speech. I had on my phone, they're like, you're crazy. And I'm like, no, like you do not understand. You guys should be watching this too. Yes. I was like, the speech, I was just so excited. Like I was, I was tearing up. I was like, I can't. I definitely cried when I heard Kamala Harris' speech. I started crying. I was just in my room watching it by myself, and it was such a surreal moment for me. It it honestly hasn't even hit me yet that she's going to be the vice president of the United States. I haven't felt that type of feeling since Obama won in 2008, and I was young. Like We were both really young, but I was still old enough to conceptualize how important his nomination was and just how... It made me remember what these elections used to be like before the Trump presidency and how, you know, when you lost, you conceded 
and you were respectful to your opponent and you, you kind of just bowed down gracefully, like, okay, you know, that other person won, it's whatever. And we're still kind of dealing with that right now, but having this administration be the next up, it kind of gives me hope that we're heading in a direction of more like civil. Like normalcy. <laughs> exactly. It's funny you mentioned oh, when Obama was elected because that is the first presidential election I remember. And it is the craziest thing because the day he won, I was in Times Square. It was me, my sisters, my mom, and my cousins. We were in Times Square, and they had it on the big screen. And it literally just like showed Obama, and it was like, oh, like he just won the election. I remember literally we were in Starbucks the moment he won. Our parents bought us Obama pins. Like, it, I don't know why. It's such a memory, like a vivid memory that I remember. And then this time around, when they called Joe Biden as the president-elect, and then I was watching CNN and Van Jones spoke about it and Van Jones got teared up. That's when I started crying. And then during like Joe Biden and, you know, Kamala's speech, that's that's when I got choked up. I was like, wow, this is real. Like, obviously, like not everyone's perfect, but like the fact that this is the next president and he mentioned so many different people in his speech and just so many different things. And I'm like, this is exactly what we need right now. And it's just like, I feel like a weight was lifted off my shoulder. Like, I feel like the past four years was, like, not even, like, what was it? Like, you know, like, what were we living in? And I feel like there's, like, such a weight lifted off everyone's shoulders for those who obviously support that. I agree. Um, the last four years definitely felt like a fever dream. I remember I came home back to Philly to vote because I didn't fill out an absentee ballot. And I was on my way back to college, which was St. John's in Queens, New York. And the entire commute was just very dreary. So I used to take New Jersey Transit. And then I would take, um, I think that day I took New Jersey Transit. And then I took the PATH train. And then I got on MTA. Every one of those methods of transportation, there was no noise. Everyone was kind of just blank in the face. When I got to campus, it was so quiet. It was just very weird yeah i remember yeah the last election in 2016 when trump won me and my sisters cried we cried it was literally one of the worst feelings ever i don't probably didn't go to class the next day it was just horrible it was such a horrible feeling and this time around it's so different it's just like i don't know i just feel like like i said before like a weight's lifted off my shoulder it's just way more hopeful yeah and um, I see a lot of people who, um, well, not a lot, but what I have seen from people who voted for him who like to um, pose the argument of, oh, if you can't be friends with someone who has different political views than you, then their friendship wasn't real. And the way I look at it is I don't have that privilege <clears throat> as a black woman in this country to look past someone actively supporting the current president right now because it's not his it's not the politics it's well yes it is that but it's like you can't like my body is not political as a woman my livelihood as a black person is not political like that's not politics that's like basic human rights and at least for both of us as women like we're constantly 
in a battle to just fight for ourselves. And I feel like his, what he stands for threatens my livelihood. So to be friends with someone or to, to have someone in my life who supports him, it does not sit right with me. And I have had a friend in the past who supported him and it made me uncomfortable because I have, I've, I've lived with Republicans when I was at St. John's um, freshman year. I know people who are Republican, like I'm cool with them. That's fine. It's the supporting Trump part where it's like, I can't help but to feel weird about that. And like, I'm sorry, but I just, it's not going to work because clearly we, we just have completely different ideologies and that's cool, but you, I, I can't be friends with you. And if that bothers you, then sorry. I was literally going to say that I was like, at this point, I'm like the Trump presidency, it's not even about like Republican versus Democrat. Like I'm a Democrat. Like my family is a Democrat. Like my dad's in the union. We support union work. Like that's just obvious for me. But I have I've had friends who are like Republicans and, you know, in the previous elections, like they voted Republican. And that's not the issue there. Like I'm not not going to be friends with you because you're a Republican. Right. The issue is I read this thing perfectly. It was like we can like this guy was explaining and he was like, if I like drop you as a friend, it's not because you're a Republican. Like. We can argue over things like, for example, I want gun reform. If you're pro-gun, we can still be friends. I don't agree with you, but we can still be friends. Things exactly. like that. Like, things like that. Like, policies like that. But when it comes to supporting um, a president who is openly racist, openly sexist, he literally did not condemn the Charlottesville tax. That's when Joe Biden said he knew he needed to run. He did not condemn the white supremacists. He said there are good people on both sides. I do not even care. Even if you are, it's not even about you. I'm not, I'm not friends with you because you're a Republican. I'm friends with you because you support a guy like Trump. Like supporting him is against LGBTQ plus rights. Right. It's against just everything. It's racist. It's everything he stands for. Like if you support a guy like that, like how do you want me to be friends with you? It goes against everything I support. Like, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. Like, it's just, it's so contradictory to the things that I stand for. Like, I can't support someone who doesn't support the LGBTQIA community. I can't support someone who does not support Black Lives Matter. I can't support someone who, it's just, it, it goes against what I stand for. And it's like, I think a lot of people, um, it also, like, ties into caring about things that don't directly affect you as well. Like, it doesn't have to be, like, his policies don't have to negatively affect you, like, personally, for you to care. Oh, his, or, like, for example, his stance on immigration. Your family were immigrants. Like, no one from, no one who lives in America is American unless you're Native American. Exactly. Like, your family is traced back to immigrants, okay? I know people who are Greek. They are first-generation Americans and support him. 
And I'm like, do you realize if he was in office, like, it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, it just blows my mind. That's, I just, I personally can't wrap my head around it. And it, it scares me that people still will support someone who is racist, someone who is homophobic and sexist, everything else. Yeah, he got more votes uh, this election than he did last time. But I will say that Joe Biden got the most amount of votes out of any um, presidential candidate in history. So that's something to be excited about. And I also want to shout out black women for showing up and showing out at the polls. Of course, I feel like we always do. But this election was pivotal in our recovery as a nation. and women in general, but yes, black women really showed up and made sure that we got the job done. Even in 2008 and 2012 with Obama, the black vote is the reason why Obama won. Exactly. And also, um, well, I was going to say something. I totally forgot. Oh my God, I lost my train of thought by saying that. But yeah, I just think, oh, Trump got the second most votes in history. So that's also terrifying. Joe Biden got got the most votes, but Trump literally got the second most votes. Yeah. That's horrifying. It's unsettling. It's very unsettling. It horrifies me. Like, I can't even wrap my head around it. Like, it gets me so mad talking about it. But to look on the brighter side... At least true colors are being shown. When I said that, I just thought about the electoral map and all the red and blue. (laughs) But at least we're seeing everyone's true colors. And at least people are waking up and realizing that voting matters. No matter who you voted for, you now see that the numbers matter. And clearly because there's a there's going to be like lawsuits against certain states for um, voter fraud and recounting and stuff like that. So all the people who think like, oh, it's just one vote. What does it matter? No, it it makes a difference. Yeah, I totally agree. I think this election made people realize like literally every single um, vote matters. And the next election, you're going to see even more people who got out and voted. Mm-hmm. And I I love how many more people were registered to vote this time around. Um, I saw Matisse Thibel, he's on the Sixers, use his platform vigorously to make sure that people were, one, registered in Philly, and also making sure that they went out to vote. So that's always, like, awesome to see athletes get involved and try to do their part because that's the first step, getting registered. Some people – don't know how to register. Some people don't know where their ward is. They don't know where to go to vote. They don't know how to fill out an absentee ballot. Like, you know, stuff like that is important. That's the hardest part before actually getting your vote counted or, you know, just giving people information on how to check if your vote was even counted because there's websites where you can check if it's still pending, if it was accepted, if there was, you know, a complication with your signature and you have to call in and get it fixed, like all of those things play a role. So I love seeing athletes 
or just public figures in general really like go hard and try to get as many people involved as they can. Yeah, I do have to say I saw a lot of athletes involved in this election. So it's almost been a week since Biden was announced as the president-elect and Trump still hasn't conceded. Do you think he's going to concede anytime soon? Honestly, I genuinely don't know. I mean, I'm not worried about it, like, playing into a factor. Like, I know come January 21st, Joe Biden is going to be the president. I just, I think it really depends because now you look at Arizona, it's blue. No voter fraud was found, obviously. (laughs) You look at Georgia, obviously no voter fraud was found. There's no voter fraud. But I think as you continue um, to look at the states, I don't think we're going to have to worry about that being too much of a stance and I think even recounts when you see recounts I think as he starts losing the recounts then maybe he's gonna have to concede I think it really depends what his advisors are telling him they're saying that like his daughter is saying like concede save your face because he wants to run again in 2024 and then his sons are kind of saying like no like fight 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 but I think eventually after recounts start coming in like what are you gonna fight like there's literally there's nothing to argue about like you lost yeah and it was sad that like even with biden being up four million votes we still had to go through all of this that's another conversation with electoral college versus popular vote because that was the issue with the 2016 election as well but i was hearing that um and i'm i'm no like political science major. I'm not an expert in political science, but uh, I did hear on the news that because Trump has not conceded yet, it's prolonging the process of preparing Biden for when he is um, sworn into office. Like you have to start giving him certain information and, and preparing him, especially with a pandemic going on. So because he hasn't conceded, Biden doesn't have the necessary tools to prepare for his job when he's sworn in. Yeah, I think this thing that's saving Joe Biden is he was the vice president for eight years. And I know now some other, like, Republicans in office are pushing Trump to, like, give Biden information. But I think since he was the vice president for eight years, like, that's going to be super helpful. And he's still forming his staff. He's still going ahead with the transition team. So I really don't think what Trump is doing is going to affect Biden and his presidency too much. I think it's just making Trump look more of a jerk. Like, what are you doing? Like, he lost. Like, you lost, you know? Another news, it was reported this week that Russell Westbrook no longer wants to be in Houston with the Rockets anymore. Um, there were some reports saying that he isn't interested in playing alongside James Harden anymore. Um, I don't know how true that is. Even if it is, I don't think it would affect their relationship off the court, but that is something that was stated. When he originally left Oklahoma City, uh, that was a big deal because he was the last of the three. It was Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Westbrook, and he was the last of them to leave the Thunder. And I know I didn't expect him to ever leave that organization, especially after the rift that was caused between him and Kevin Durant when he decided to join the Warriors in 2016. And 
at that point, after Durant left, Harden was already gone. He had left to Houston by that point. And then last summer, Russell decided to join James Harden with the Rockets. So I think people were expecting this to last longer, at least. I mean, his performance with them last season was pretty good. He averaged 27.2 points, 7.9 rebounds, 7 assists per game, and he had a career high of shooting 47% from the field. The Lakers did knock out the Rockets in the semifinals in five games, and they haven't been to the finals since 1995. But, I mean, it's only been one season. You know what I mean? So I don't know if that that was the goal for 2020 to get to the finals. I Okay, well, first, I don't think Westbrook doesn't want to play with James Harden. I feel like people are saying that for, like, to add a flair of like drama in the whole thing like I don't think his reason for leaving would be because he doesn't want to play with James Harden like I don't know I just don't believe that but I think I don't know like I don't I wasn't expecting it I don't want to say it's premature because like every player knows best but maybe it just personally he thinks like Houston just isn't a fit for him and I think there are probably a bunch of different factors that are playing into him leaving. Like, I don't think you can really, like, put it into one thing as to why he wants to leave, you know. I think he has his own personal reasons along with a bunch of different factors. And I think at the end of the day, he's going to do what's best for him. But I really don't think it's because he doesn't want to play with James Harden. I Like I said, I think it's going to be a bunch of different reasons. And he just thinks he's going to be a better fit somewhere else. Um, I think it's a matter of what it is he's looking for from an organization. Like, if it's, you know, just to keep creating record stats or if he wants a ring, if he wants the ball more, that could be tied into why it's, there's this storyline of him not wanting to play alongside James Harden anymore because, I mean, I don't know. They're They're saying that the Hornets are interested in him that could be interesting. They don't have a major star player right now. But do I see them making it to the finals if they bring on Russell Westbrooks? No. Um, and then I saw talk about the Knicks. I'm not a fan of that either, especially if his goal is to win a ring because there's no one there, essentially, to help him. And if they were to add him to the roster, it's not like they can afford to get some reinforcement. And they wouldn't be able to... I mean, maybe they could afford it, but it would be very expensive. It would be very expensive to bring on somebody else to help him out. And then think about it. If they do that as well, plus the $132.6 million that he's owed right now over the next three years, they can't afford those... um the contracts of the rookies that they have right now once those rookie contracts are up, like R.J. Barrett. So there's a lot to think about with this one. I think depending on where he ends up after the Rockets, that will answer a lot of our questions. Yeah, I don't know. I can't see him going to Charlotte. Like, the Hornets, that's just weird to me. Like, I don't know, for lack of a better term, like... 
that would just be a weird fit in my opinion. Like, I can't see it. I mean, I guess it goes back to what you said, like what he wants in a team. I could see him going to the Knicks more than I can see him going to Charlotte. But then again, the Knicks, one, wherever he goes, he's going to get big money. He's Russell Westbrook. Oh, yeah, for sure. They don't have a choice at this point. They really yeah. don't. <laughs> he's going to be expensive either way. Two, I feel like he would want kind of more of a team around him. And can the Knicks give that to him? I feel like that's the Knicks' biggest issue. I feel like it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he ends up. I feel like he's going to end up with a team where there's another star there that can help him. But then again, like, he had James Harden. So it's definitely weird. It really is, like, like we said, the NBA, the players kind of control it. So really, it is what it's going to end up where he wants to go, what he's looking for in a team. So I'm excited to see where he ends up. Come to the Bucks. <laughs> oh God. Oh no, they wouldn't do that. <laughs> no, Yanni's is the star. They wouldn't like, like that's that's kind of like that's the issue. It's like who needs a point guard right now? And where would he be useful? There was a Twitter conversation about athletes who should have a championship but don't. Um, a lot of the answers I saw were either vets in the league or retired. However, of the active players, do you think Westbrook falls in that category? You see, I don't – you know, yeah, I think he does because you can go back to, like, his days with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Mm-hmm. And they probably should have won a ring when they didn't. So, yeah, I wouldn't say it's such a topic of conversation, but, yeah. I th- Well, they were close, remember? They went yeah, to the... Yeah, that's why I think that year with them, but I don't think people are going to keep talking about it. Like, oh, he's like... I think there are some players where, like, you'll always remember, like, oh, he doesn't have a ring. Um, I think it's not too late in his career. Like, I think he can get a ring, but, yeah, I definitely think um, Oklahoma... He should have had a ring. It's, it's really not too late. You're right. And I think maybe that's what's also um, making him want to move this fast. Because I know we were saying, like, it's kind of early. It's kind of premature. But maybe he's just like, listen, I got to get a move on. I need to go where I know I'm guaranteed um, at least semifinals consecutive years. You know, something like that. Or where I'm getting the ball most of the time like I think back to my original question um yes to an extent because there's no argument that he's one of the best players in the league there's no argument and he definitely could have had a ring by now if he did what KD did but I understand the importance of you know bringing the city that you've been down with for so long a ring but you could also argue you know Harden beat them both to the punch years prior and he still doesn't have a ring you know I don't think because you were saying like what he's looking for in a team Uh I don't think James Harden really has anything to do with it I think it's more of like a team in general like what team can get him there and I think maybe like Houston and the Rockets just weren't a fit. But going back to like a player that should have a ring, I definitely <laughs> I know what think you're gonna say. that Oklahoma team, but Tony Romo. 
You know, I was gonna Aww. say Tony. I'm bringing, Lolo. yeah, I'm bringing like the NFL and like retired players into it because Tony Romo was he was I won't say he was wasted talent because we didn't waste him, but Jason Garrett did waste a lot of talent with Jason Witten too. DeMarco Murray, that was a Super Bowl winning team. And I stand by that. That was a Super Bowl winning team. In terms of retired players, Allen Iverson should have had a ring. Yes, I agree. Before he left the Sixers, um, just he really carried that team on his back. And it's it's kind of annoying that he doesn't have a ring because active and retired, he is one of my favorite he is my favorite player of all time. But, like, even in his retired years, I just love how supportive he is of the young guys in the NBA right now. Melo deserves a ring. Yes. Okay, yes. But still, is he going to get a ring? Mm, I don't think so. I think he's going to retire without a ring. That's just my opinion. Unless the team picks him up. I don't think Melo's going to win a ring. I guess it depends what team he ends up with. I feel like team plays such a big role in these, you know? I loved seeing him um, with Portland. I yeah. really like seeing him in Portland. Yeah, me too. But honestly, if you think about it, only one team wins a year. Like, what are the chances that these older players who want to ring, because we talked about Carmelo, are going to end up going to the team that wins? Do you know, like, there's so many factors that go into a team winning that it's just so hard. Yeah. Unless you're Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs <laughs> or the New England Patriots when they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Or if you play for the like if you played in the Warriors during their run at championships, other than that, it is hard to do. It's that's not like, easy. That's not easy to get splash no. brothers. That's not easy at all. We were watching history. You don't find that often where it's like the chemistry is just so effortless. Exactly. Wow. I mean, that was so beautiful to watch. I can't wait until, you know, healthy Steph, healthy Clay. Oh, I'm so excited to watch that again. You see, I'm excited, but I don't know if they'll win another ring. That's just my opinion. Why? Because KD left? I just, I feel like. They love their moment, if that makes sense. Like, even when they come back healthy, I feel like other teams have been working hard. And I'm not saying they won't get another final, but I don't know if they'll win another ring. I will say this. We'll see if those other teams worked hard enough when Steph is back. We'll see if they worked hard enough. Because now we're used to – I think we got adjusted to him not being on the floor. But when he comes back next season – that's it's going to be very telling to see if everybody else did enough work to keep up with him. We don't know what he's been doing. We don't know what new tricks he's learned because when he was an active player, when he wasn't injured, it was like everyone had to kind of keep up with him. They were seeing what he was doing and it was like, oh, all right, I got to, you know, work on that. I have to, you know what I mean? So he was kind of the standard in a lot of ways for a while. Yeah, no, I agree, but at the same time, I don't know. It's just hard. I feel like we really do just have to watch and see how it plays out. I did also want to bring up some recent news in the NFL. 
the Houston Texans fired their vice president of communications, Amy Palsik, after they deemed her to no longer be a quote-unquote cultural fit for the organization. After breaking the news via Twitter, Adam Schefter wrote, Palsik was the first and only woman to have full PR responsibilities for an NFL team. She was the winner of the 2017 Roselle Award for Best PR Staff. Now, she was with the Texans for seven years and is highly respected, so this news was not received well by the public. We don't know why they decided to make this decision, but uh, Texans defensive end J.J. Watt went on to tweet, first and only woman to be head of PR for an NFL team and winner of the Roselle Award for Best PR Staff in the NFL. Massive help in my hurricane relief efforts community events, and much more. Whoever picks up Amy Palsik will be getting one of the absolute best in the business. And then she also said on Twitter, on what was arguably the most humiliating day of my life, people showed up. My friends, colleagues, total strangers. PR can often be a thankless job. We live behind the scenes, lifting others up. A great reminder that being a good person matters in the long run. Thank you. So what I saw on Twitter after the news came out that she was fired was uproar. Like this, this woman is, like I said, highly respected. People love her. She is incredible at her job. So I can't imagine what that says about the Texans culture if Amy isn't a good fit for their culture. You know what I mean? Honestly, at the end of the day, it makes the Texans look worse more than it makes her look worse. So I feel like, yeah, at the end of the day, we're like J.J. Watt and, you know, people coming and, you know, speaking out and saying how great she was. I feel like, you know, it does. It just makes them look worse. Yeah. And, you know, best wishes to Amy Palasik. Based off of what I've seen, I'm I'm sure she won't have any problem finding a new position with an organization that appreciates a powerful woman. So power to her. I was literally going to say I Especially after J.J. Watt, because he is such a big player. He has such a big following, you know. So many people look up to him. So I think, especially after what he said, I really don't think she's going to have a problem finding another fit. But it is interesting to see, like, what is, you know, what are, what are the Texans looking for? What is their culture? Because how doesn't she fit, you know? Yeah. So we'll keep our eye on that story. And again, best wishes to Amy and We're excited to see where she ends up next. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 12 of Did You Catch That with Cassie and Chrissy. Be sure to follow us on Spotify and make sure that you're keeping up with all of our updates on Twitter and Instagram at DYCT Podcast. Again, that's DYCT Podcast, and you'll hear from us next week.